Thursday, Yom Hey Chav Zayin Iyar. And this is KMTT, Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah, and this is Ezra Beck. And today we are going to have a share in Pashat HaShavua, and the one giving this share will be myself. Today's shiur is dedicated L'Rufuat Shlema for Rafael Moshe Yisrael Ben Shulamit Adina. Kashpochu should send him L'Rufuat Shlema Ben HaShamayim V'Sekut Torah Shab Tibur Yamod Lo for a quick and speedy L'Rufuat Shlema. This week's Pasha is Pashat Bamidbar. Most of the Pasha consists of numbers and names. The Jews are counted by Shevet. Then the Leviim are counted. In fact, they're counted twice. And that's more or less the entire Pasha. As we know, the Leviim are not counted within the regular counting of the Jewish people, of the other Shvatim. Pasuk says this explicitly. When we finish counting each and each Shevet, so beginning in Pasuk Mem Chet, the Torah says, Don't count the tribe of Levi. question is, why not? To say that the Leviim are separate from Bnei Yisrael doesn't mean they shouldn't be counted. Why should they not be counted? Before we answer that question, I want to go back to the counting of the Jews themselves. In the beginning of the Pasha, the Torah says, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu to count Kol Adat Bnei Yisrael. Count the entire Eidah, the entire congregation of the Jews. Explicitly, he says to them, there is one people called Adat Bnei Yisrael, the word Eidah is a word which I think unifies everybody. There's one Eda, one, uh, one group, one community. Count the entire community of the Jewish people. You count them by, uh, by families. That's the way to count them. And then it says, Count those who are over 20. Those who go out to the Tzava. We normally translate the word Tzava as army. Those who go out to the army in Israel. Count them to their Tzava. To their, each one to, to their armies. And whenever they're counted, beginning with Pasuk Chaf, we find the mention of the Tzava over and over again. Each and every Shevet, they're counted by Shvatim, by tribes, each and every one is counted. Kol yotzei tzava ufkudehem, and then a number. This is repeated twelve times. They're counted. Kol yotzei tzava, all those who go out to the army, and then you have a number for all of them. When it's all finished, there is a summation. Pasuk memhev. Again, they're counted all those who go out to the Tzava Israel. Then the Torah says, do not count Levi. 
Now there are five psukim there. When it says do not count Levi, they don't explicitly explain why not, but this is what it says. Pasuk Memtet, Pasuk 49. Do not count the tribe of Levi. And do not raise their heads from the midst of Israel. Ve'ata, it sounds like it says ve, but we think that means but. But what you should do, you should count to the Vim. You do count them. Al Mishkan Haidut Vial Kokela Vial Kolashalo Hema Yisuta Mishkan Vit Kokela Vahema Yishal Tuhu Vasavila Mishkan Yachanu. You should count them out on the Mishkan and on its utensils, everything that belongs to it, because they will carry the Mishkan and all its utensils and they will serve it and they will dwell around the Mishkan. When the Mishkan moves, they have to take it apart. And when the Mishkan rests, they have to erect it. And any stranger who will come close shall die. And the Jews will live, the Jewish people will live, each one in his camp, and each one on his flag, to their armies. But will live around the Mishkan and everything will be fine. So it, it doesn't say this is the reason, but I think it's quite clear that's what it means. It says, don't count the Levim, count them on the Mishkan, and then it's a totally unnecessary Pasuk. The Jews will dwell, each one in his camp, on his flag in, in his camp. That puts us unnecessary because the very next parasha says a long list again of all the Jewish tribes. Ishal diglo botot the second parak pasuk aleph bet gimel. Ishal diglo botot the beit of tam yachanu. It tells the Jews to live in twelve distinct areas with a degel. Most commentators say it means a flag. Litziv otam in their uh, uh, armies, and the Torah divides them up. So why does it say here? Bechanu bnei sel ishal machanu bishal diglo. It's clearly as the Tzip points out to. Contrast it to the Levi'im. The Levi'im are going to dwell around the Mishkan, and the rest of the Jewish tribes will dwell in their camps. Ishal Diglo. I think what's being described here is that when the counting begins, you have Adat B'nai Yisrael. The point of the counting is to divide the Jews into 12 distinct groups. Kol Yotzei Tzava. Those will go out into the army. And then... They're going to be told to dwell in their 12 different camps with their 12 different flags, Litziv Otam, in their 12 different armies or 12 different army groups. And the Leviim are not part of that army, they don't dwell in that camp. Halakhically, we say that Leviim dwell in a camp called Machanel Viyah, the camp of Leviim, which is basically part of the Mishkan. The Torah says they don't dwell in the Machanel Leviim, the Torah says they dwell around the Mishkan. Now, you can say that the Jews live around the Mishkan as well, but the Torah doesn't describe it that way. There are concentric circles, Mishkan in the middle, a circle of Leviim, and then a circle of the twelve tribes. So, you can say the outer circle is also around the Mishkan. But the Torah says, no, the Leviim dwell around the Mishkan, and the Jews dwell in their camps. I think the reason why the Jews are not, why the, excuse me, the Levim are not counted is because the Tzavah 
and the Machanot of the Jews is not the Tzava and the Machaneh of the Leviim. Why not? What does it mean, Kol Yotzei Tzava? We naturally translate this as army. It's conceivable that there are many kinds of armies. Armies are not only armies of war. But I think here, armies do mean armies of war. First of all, because the Torah repeats it so many times. Secondly, because of the age. Yotzei Tzava is Miben Eslim Shana Bamala, from 20 and up. And thirdly, because we know where they're going. This is being done on the verge of entering Eretz Yisrael. Of course, they didn't enter Eretz Yisrael, but we don't know that now, nor do they know that now, nor was it supposed to be. You're in Pashat Bamidbar, they're purged to enter Eretz Yisrael. It takes Pashat Bamidbar, Pashat Naso is, is arranging this Machaneh, and Pashat Balotcha, it says, let's go, we're going now to enter Eretz Yisrael. They don't, because in Pashat Shalach, in four weeks from now, there is the sin we call Chetamaraglim, the sin of the spies, and therefore they're condemned to spend another 38 years in the desert. But, but they're arranging their encampment in order to enter Eretz Israel, in other words, in order to go to battle. And therefore the constant repetition of Tzavat, Tzavat, Tzavat here would seem to be that this is a military census, and therefore the Machaneh and the Degel is a military formation. And that's why it's so important, Ishal Diglo. Because each battalion, so to speak, has its place within the formation. What about the Levim? So the truth is, Levim are also called Tzavah. When we get around to counting the Levim, later on in the Pasha, not the first time they counted. The first time the Levim are counted is in order to exchange them with the firstborn. That's in Perek Gimel, Pasuk Yudalid, Pasuk Tedvav, Pasuk Beit Levi, Levet Avotam, Nemishpachotam, Kozachami, Ben Chodesh, Vamada, Tifkidem. You count them from one month and up. Obviously, they're not going to war. One month and up. And, and it appears, after we finish the count, God says to count the number of Bechorim, and they, and they do the switch. So that's a counting of the Vim to know for Kedusha purposes to switch them with the Bechorim. But afterwards, Levim are counted again. And they're counted not as one Shevet, but as three groups. Gahat, Merari, and finally, Gershon, in, in the beginning of the next week's Pasha. And there it says, you should count them from 30 and up, not from one month, not from twenty either. Perigdalit, Pasuk Bet, Nasawat Rosh Bene Kahat, Mitoch Bene Levi, the Mishpachotam Levet Avotam, Ibench Loshim Shana Bamala, Bad Ben Hamishim Shana, called Balat Sava. All those who come to the army. La Asot Malacha, Baol Moet. So here we really have the word army in a clearly non military sense. Because it says Balat Sava, Nasot Malacha, Baol Moet. They are coming to the army to do labor in. Oel Moed, in the, in the tent of meeting. They're not doing battle there, they're, they're, they're laboring there. There is a, a, a non-military army. There's a subtle difference between the description of this army and the army that was described in the twelve tribes. There it says, Kol Latsava, those who go out to the army. Here it says, Kol Latsava, those who come to the army. The words are technically opposite. To go out and come in are opposites. And I think that that's what it means. 
if you go out to the army, you go out to do battle against your enemies. You leave the camp, or you leave where you're dwelling in peace, because of an external threat. Kol habalatzava is a a a a coming in. It's it's concentrating oneself. Laasot melacha ba'ol moed. Hayotzei latzava is someone who goes out to do battle. Habalatzava is someone who is organized. Apparently, the word army tzava means an organization, a formal kind of organization with 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 roles and and, and like 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 you you receive orders, you follow a role, you just do what you want, but it's balatzava. In other words, the reason why the Levayim were not counted is because the Levayim belonged to a different army. There are two armies of the Jews. One is a military army, and that is the 12 tribes. The Jews are not counted in that, the, the Levayim, I'm sorry, are not counted in that because they are not Yotzei Tzava, they are Ba'ei Tzava. But they're also a Tzava. They are also an army but to an army with a different purpose. And as the Pesukim I quoted in the beginning said, that's reflected in where they live. They, the Jews, the 12 tribes, will be Bamachaneh, each one in his camp, each one on his degel, Ritzivotam, according to their armies, and the Levayim will dwell around Ol Moed. I think, in summation, that what the picture we have here is, it's a different army, but they belong to the same kind of structure. If you look at the total picture, God is arranging the way the Jews will dwell. And this dwelling reflects a military formation. The formation is the 12 armed, combat-ready divisions in a square, each one in his proper place. But in the middle as part of the overall structure of the army of God, you have the army of the Levim, whose purpose is the opposite. It's to lishmo, to guard the heart, not to attack outward, but to defend inward, to protect and to serve the heart and soul of the machaneh, of the campment, namely, namely the Mishkan. So to conclude this part of what I want to say, what Pashat Bamidbar, and also Pashat Naso, in the beginning of Pashat Ba'alotcha, describe is the transformation of the Jewish people from being an Eida, a collective, a community, a congregation, I think the usual translation of Eida is, a congregation who are traveling in the desert into a formal, structured, Division, each one with their role. They are divided into 12 groups which didn't really exist before. And obviously, there were families, everyone knew which area they belonged to. But now, those Shvatim, those tribes, and the camps that each one has, Machanot, there are many camps. Those camps are arranged in a formal manner because this is the army that's going to conquer Eretz Israel. In the heart, of that army encampment, there is a spiritual encampment, and the Levim, therefore, are not counted in the first. They were counted, 
Beneso were counted because you were counting soldiers, and now we're counting we're counting servants of, of the Mishkan. But this is only the first half of the picture. Viewing the Vim as kinds of soldiers, soldiers of the Mishkan, Ba'etzava and not Yotzeitzava is an important point. Because it puts them, not merely that the Mishkan needs somebody to work it, but they're part of an overall collective. The overall collective is the entire Am Yisrael arranged each one in its proper way. Now as we know, they don't go ahead and conquer Eretz Yisrael. Come to Pashat Shlach, there's a sin of the tribes, they don't want to go, God condemns them to 40 years in the desert. The Torah spends very little time describing the next 38 years. Actually, it doesn't spend any time describing the next 38 years. All of a sudden, somewhere in the middle of Pashat Chukat, we find ourselves in the 40th year. And lo and behold, we don't find any mention of this formal structure of Machanei Yisrael, Ish al-Diglo, Ish al-Machaneyu, each one in his proper Shevet, each one in his proper Machaneh, each one in his proper Degel. You don't find it. Even when they go to war. In the end of Pashat Chukat, you have the war with Sichon, the war with Og, Melech Abashan. It speaks about Israel. It doesn't say anything about, about the Galim or Machanot or Tzvaot. In fact, in, in Pashat Chukat, you don't even have the word Tzava. When Sichon goes to war, Against uh, against the Jews, it says they come to Sichon and they want to enter his land. Parak Chaf Aleph, pasuk Chaf Gimel. But on the Sichon at Israel, Avo Bigevulo, he didn't let Israel enter his his land. He went to attack Israel and he fought with Israel. And Israel smote him by the sword. That's it. The unit that Sichon is fighting with is called Israel, not the twelve tribes, each Al-Machanebisha Digalo. It's not even mentioned there. Same thing with Og. Third war that's fought in Sefer Bamidbar, the last one that's fought before before Sefer Yoshua, before they actually enter Eretz Israel, is the uh, war against Midian. And there, you have the word Sava. We have the word Sava. But I think it's interesting the way the Sava, the army, is described. Beginning of Pashat Matot, God tells Moshe to go and wage war vengeance against Midian. So what does Moshe do? He speaks to the people. Take out from within you. Separate from yourselves men for the army. Each shevet, the shvatim exist, I'm not saying they don't exist. Each shevet sends a thousand men. Each shevet sends a thousand men to the army. In other words, in Pashat Bamidbar, each Shevet is an army. They're living in army formation. Here, each Shevet sends a thousand men to the army. 
As it says in Pasukei, Peraklamet Al Pasukei, Vayimasru me alfei Yisrael, from the thousands of Israel, it's a general term, from the hordes of Israel, from the thousands and thousands of Israels, they sent Elif Lamatesh, Neymasar Aleph, Chalutzei Tzava. They each sent 1,000 to each Shevet, 12,000 men who were separated for the army. But the army is, is, is 12,000 men. It's not even, the army is not even a thousand, it's, it's not even a thousand uh, 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 battalions. Uh, excuse me, 12 battalions, a thousand each. Each Shevet sent a thousand men and they formed the army. And they win the war. You don't have any mention of this elaborate and let's face it, Pashat Bamidba, Pashat Nasal, it's long. It's not just that we know in the beginning you had these formations and I don't find them mentioned anything about Degel, Machaneh, or Tzava, or Tzvaot later on. It's just I know about it. The Torah has dedicated two whole parashat describing it. And when they start to move in Pashat Bahalotcha, it says, yes, that's it. they also move. First, it explains how exactly they maintained the formation with the Chatzotzra. They blew on the trumpet and this Degel moved and that Degel moved. It's a whole complicated process. But later on we find them, they just go ahead and they just attack or they defend. It's just the Jews. If it's so important to have this formation that God has, has worked so hard to create this formal machane, this formal encampment around the Mishkan, why would we not find it ever mentioned when they actually do go to war 38 years later? I think the answer is because this goes back to the important difference between what exists in the beginning of Bamidbar and what exists in the end of Bamidbar the transformation that has taken place in Am Yisrael in the course of Sefer Bamidbar. The sin of the Meraglim didn't merely cause a 38-year delay. And then you pick up where you left off. Because you're more worthy. Because the Jews somehow are different. The whole story is a different story. I think, and this may sound a little bit paradoxical, I think the idea of the 12 tribes arranged in the four corners, Ishal Diglo, four groupings of three Shvatim each, Shebet Levi, surrounding the Mishkan, that, if that's the army of Israel, or the armies of Israel, then what sort of conquering of Eretz Israel will take place? Do we imagine that this square formation, in fact, is the most strategic military formation? I, I, I'm not criticizing it, I just don't imagine that it depends on the topography. It depends on, on who your enemy is. I think the idea here is, is that this formation described in our Pasha is Machane Hashem. It's the encampment of God's people. And they would have conquered Eretz Israel by the sake of the presence of God that's within them. If you want to speak on a practical somehow empiric basis, so perhaps God's presence would have struck such fear in the in the in the Knaanim that the victory would have been would have been automatic. I, I prefer to think of it as being miraculous. Remember the if they travel in this formation, Degel Degel Machane Machane, then the Mishkan is travelling with them. So the presence of God is is, is literal. The the all this machane is, is the is the is the trappings of, of, of how to surround the Mishkan. 
In other words, God would have conquered Eretz Yisrael. The whole Cheta Egel, excuse me, the, the whole Cheta Meraglim, the sin of the spies, was precisely because they didn't think they could conquer Eretz Yisrael in that manner. They viewed it as a genuine strategic question who has more swords, who has a better army, who's taller, who are the giants and who are the grasshoppers in their eyes, as described in Pashat Shlach. And when God eventually brings them into Eretz Yisrael, 38 years later, it's on the basis of what they asked 38 years before. It's on the basis of sending spies, and Yeshua sent spies without any censure from God. Sending spies, check it out, fight real battles. The strategy, as we see in I, is to lure them here, attack them from the sides. It's a regular, a regular battle with God's help, of course. And therefore, even when you have Sichon and Og and, and Midian, you're dealing with earthy, military strategy battles. And then, you don't have the Machaneh Shechina, the Machaneh Deviyah, the Machanot V'Hadagalim, the arrangement with the Chatzot Tzvot and the, and, the, and, the, and the flags and the, and the, and the different encampments, it's, it's not relevant anymore. The original plan, when God says in Bamidban, Nason, Balotcha is, you arrange your camp the way I see it. It's all part of the Mishkan. It's part of Shekhinah Israel. The Divine Presence will fill all of Israel. When that comes to the borders of Eretz Yisrael, it will simply take over Eretz Yisrael. It will come to its true home. And therefore it's so important you'll be arranged properly. Yotzei Tzavah. And Yotzei Tzavah means the two things I talked about in the beginning. You are Yotzei Tzavah. To fight, and you are Yotzei Tzavah to God the Mishkan. But that's two sides of the same picture. Because in, in, in truth, the whole thing is Machanesh The whole thing is the campment of God's presence in the middle. So the Leviim are this army, and the four, the Galim, are those other four armies. But that all falls apart. Because the Jews are unable, or unwilling, to carry that kind of burden. Now, it might appear to us to be easy. It'll be an easier battle. But it's a difficult psychological burden to be carrying the Shekhinah on your backs the whole time. And they prefer and they choose to go on the way of natural causes with God's help and not in the way of supernatural direct direct battle, direct conquest of Eretz Yisrael by the presence of God Himself. Once they make that choice and they suffer the consequences of that choice which because in the beginning they feared and ran away, meant 38 years of wandering and death. And their children will enter Eretz Yisrael, but they will enter Eretz Yisrael in a new way. So to speak, on the low road. The low and hard and difficult and fighting road. And then, the Shvatim no longer exist as military units. Not that there aren't Shvatim, we know in Pashat Pinchas how important the Shvatim are. The division of Eretz Yisrael is by Shvatim, the land. And in fact, in Pashat Pinchas, we find there's another census. And that census is explicitly compared to the census in our Pasha. God tells Moshe Rabbeinu to count the Jews again, and he counts them. And the, the, the description of who you count is the same. It's Yotzei Tzava. But when they're counted, you never find that it's the Tzivotam. When they're counted, they're counted 
B'nei Shimon lemishpechotam. And then the, the summation is, of this particular Shabbat, Eilam mishpechot ha-shimoni, Shnaim be'esfim elif, umatayim. So, the people you're counting is from 20 and up. Kol Yotzei Tzavah. But how are you counting them? You're not counting them l'tziv otam. You're counting them l'mishpachotam to their families. And there were 22,000 of this and 23,000 of that and 40,000 of this. And then in the end, it says the comparison. After Moshe Rabbeinu finishes the counting of them all, Eil lepekudei Moshe ba'lazar ha'kohen asher pakadu et b'nei Yisrael ba'avot mu'ab al-yadeinu recho perek Chavav, Pasuk, Mem, Pasuk, Samach, Dalid. Uve'ele lo hayayish mi pukudei Moshe v'yaron ha'kohen asher pakdut b'nei Yisabu bin Bar Sinai. And in those people who counted in Pashat Pinchas, there wasn't a single one who'd been counted by Moshe and Aaron in Midbar Sinai. In other words, in our counting. So there's an explicit comparison of the two countings, but but there's a different purpose. These were counted l'tzivotam, l'diglehem, and these are counted l'mishpachotam. Why? Those were counted to do battle. In the name of God, these are counted to inherit Eretz Yisrael. And the battles will be fought by the professional army. Sometime you'll take a draft of a thousand to each Shevet. Later on Eretz Yisrael, you'll send different Shvatim to conquer different pieces of land, as they did, we know from Sefer Yahshua. There are all kinds of methods how to conquer. That's for generals to decide. But it won't be Machane Yisrael, with God in their midst, simply walking in and acquiring conquering, settling in the land as one giant machaneh, shechina, arranged around around the Mishkan. And now for the Halacha Yomit. We, uh, the Chazan is repeating Shmonesa, we said Kedusha. Next point of interest is Modim. The Gemara says that when the Chazan says Modim, as the Tzibur Bows with him. Shochin imo hatzibur. That's what's passed in the Shulchanach. The language implies that what's important here isn't to say modim when the chazan says modim, but to bow when the chazan bows. And in fact, from here, there's halacha that's quoted by many achronim that any time the tzibur bows, you should bow with them. That's why when one says when the tzibur saying aleinu, so they were machmi should say aleinu also. Because it's not right that the tzibur should be bowing and you should not be bowing. There are three minhagim, there's three possibilities quoted in the Shulchan Aruch two and the Machabe one in the Mama as to how one bows in Modim de Rabbanan. One is that you bow in the beginning. You say, Modim Anachnulach, you bow. One is that you bow in the beginning and the end. Beginning, Modim Anachnulach. And in the end also, on the words uh, at the end, Alshanachnu uh, Modimlach. Those are the two opinions quoted in the Machaber, and the Mama adds a third opinion, which he says is the Minag, is to say the entire Modim Rabbanan while in one bow, while while bow down. It's very strange that the Mama says that this is the Minag. The Minag is the same Modim in one bow, and many Achorim have been asked after the Mama repeat that in Ashkenaz that the Minag is to say modim in one bow, a minute which has more or less disappeared. It's very, very rare to see people at all saying modim, the entire modim Rabbanan, while, while bowing. Most people follow one of the two, either one of the two minig, probably the second one, of the Mechaber, bowing the beginning and bowing in the end. 
basically, the Chonah said, doesn't make, you can choose anyone you want. There are considerations. The it's all based on a Ravid. The Ravid is Medayik from a Yerushalmi. The Gemara says we pass in this way that in Modim, regular Modim, you bow Tchilavasof in the beginning and the end. As you bow, you say Modim. You bow in the end. You say Baruch Kedodot. Does that also apply to Modim de Rabbanah? The Ravid says yes. He has Yerushalmi that sort of implies it. Some of say the Yerushalmi has a different shita. Uh, but the Bible says it's just like you should bow the beginning and the end. So that's where this question came about. Do you bow the beginning and the end? Do you bow only in the beginning? Or do you bow the whole thing? Because it's the whole idea was that you should bow when the Chazan is bowing and you say something. So you should say it while you're doing this one bow together with the Chazan. Okay, but again, uh, the way the post can basically sum it up is that you have your choice. I repeat, the Mama says that the Minig Ashkenaz is to say it all in one long bow from the beginning to the end of Modim de Rabbanan. Second question that arises in the Rabbanan is what does the Chazan do exactly? There's a common minag that the Chazanim say it quietly. I guess so as not to disturb the, the Tzibur. And when the Tzibur is finished, they just say the last few words of the Modim of the Chazan. This all Postkim agree is incorrect. The Chazan's job is to repeat Shmon out loud. Modim is a Bach in Shmon It has to be said out loud. And therefore that's simply incorrect. The Chazan should say Modim out loud just like he says every other bracha. Now the question is, should he be saying it out loud while the people are saying Modim de Rabbanan? The, uh, the Rush and the Avudraham and, and number of Achronim suggest that he should not. That what he should do is he should stretch out when he says the word Modim. He's bowing when he says Modim. When he bows Modim, they bow Modim. But he should... Say modim anachnulach. You should stretch out those three words, and such a way as to allow the tzibur to finish the entire modim de rabbanan. Truth is, it's more or less impossible. So I guess what it means is to say modim anachnulach slowly, and then wait a few seconds. That's what I heard the rav doing many, many times. The idea would be that you, you can't say it together. The tzibur has to hear you, has to hear the chazan say modim. So he says modim anachnulach. Everybody bows down. He bows. They bow. And they have this long, relatively long thing to say. So he lets them say. Then he repeats, smell them afterwards. Many Achorim say that's unnecessary. It begins with a Levush, and the Magan of Paskins, the way in the Mishnabur as well, is that he says out loud, but he says it at a regular pace while they're saying Modim Amaran. He says his, uh, his Modim. And the fact that the people have not heard, or not heard well, because they're busy saying their own fila, every single word of Modim is not is not in itself a problem. If there was someone who had to hear the Chazan to be Yotze, he'd have to go listen to the Chazan. So the Chazan has to say it out loud, but you and the, as an individual don't have to hear it because you're not being Yotze Shmanesi with the Chazan. You're very Dabin Shmanesi. So therefore you can say Modim de Rabbanan. So I said there are two opinions about this. I repeat, the Rav was, Makbe, uh, the Rav thought it was important for the Chazan to say Modim de Rabbanan out loud and be heard. And therefore he said to wait till everyone finishes before continuing after the initial words, modim anachnu, modim anachnu lach. There's one minute quoted in the in the uh, in the Beit Yosef that if you have thought that you should bow the beginning and the end of modim de Rabbanan, and then the minute is to do it in the last words of modim de Rabbanan, but the the Ravid thought that there was a day in Yerushalmi that you would stretch out modim de Rabbanan so that you could bow when the Chazan bows in the beginning and bow at the end when the Chazan bows in the end. So that nobody does. 
that nobody does. You, you finish modern Rabbanan at regular pace, which means, and if you're bowing at the end, so you bow when you get to the end of your modern Rabbanan, although the Chazan is for sure only in the middle of Birkat Modim, and he has a long way in which to finish. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the Erev Shabbat program as well. Tomorrow is Kavchet Yar, Yom Yerushalayim, and the program will be dedicated to Yom Yerushalayim as well. This has been Ezra Bik with Pashat HaShavua and KMTT, the Torah Podcast, brought to you from Yeshivat HaRatzion here in Kush Etzion, Alon Shavuot, Israel. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Wishing you all Kol Tov, Yom Yerushalayim Sameach. I'm not sure that people in Chutz Laaretz have much of an opportunity to actually celebrate Yom Yerushalayim, but despite the years and perhaps our weaker memories that have gone by, it's one of the great days of the Jewish calendar. Those of us who are fortunate enough and old enough to remember the first Yom Yerushalayim know that it was a turning point in our lives and I think in the lives of Christ on this generation. So whatever you're doing, make sure that you remember, thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank Thank the fortune that we had to see Malchut Yisrael return to Yerushalayim, to unite Yerushalayim, to return to be have the power and the sovereignty over the heart of Yerushalayim, the heart of Eretz Yisrael, the heart of Am Yisrael, the place that's replaced the Mishkan that we spoke about in the Pashat HaShavua, is replaced within the permanent Machanei Yisrael, which is Eretz Yisrael. And to hope and to pray for the continuation of the process, we should see Shechina B'Yerushalayim U'Machut Beit David Kol Tov, we'll be back tomorrow.